Well, good morning again. And if you're visiting with us, we are glad you're here. And by the way, if you are visiting with us today and uh, you've never been in a Pentecostal church before and uh, you uh, all of a sudden in the middle of the worship, uh, one of our ladies starts speaking uh, in a language you didn't know. Well, that's speaking in tongues. And the Bible talks about uh, the fact that when we gather together, that God by the Holy Spirit is present and he speaks that the God that we serve, the God of the Bible, is a speaking God. And so this morning, uh, Dr. Land gave a message in tongues and followed that with an interpretation in English uh, as a part of the way in which the Holy Spirit expresses himself and the glory that it brings to God. So uh, if you're uncomfortable with that, we understand. Uh, We're so used to it here and it's so much a part of what we do and a part of our uh, worship experience Um, But it is a powerful thing when God speaks to us and uses the gifts of the Spirit and uses us as his people to actually exercise those gifts. Um, So we're going to look today at our fifth uh, installment on ten words, and we're looking at uh, the Ten Commandments. So let's stand together, and our text today is Exodus chapter 20, verses 8 to 11, and uh, I am going to be reading the yellow, and you're going to be reading the white. And we only have two slides uh, that we need to read. Uh, So this is what it says. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter or your male servant or your female servant, or your livestock, or the sojourner who is within your gates. Here it is. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Let's pray together. Father, again we pause to thank you for your incredible expression of love in Jesus Christ. And we pray today that uh, you would just make him so rich and real to us. Father, you know every need in the room, and those watching online, you know every heart, you're journeying with us. And so, Lord, today we pray that, uh, Lord, that you would give us a voice to speak, ears to hear, minds to comprehend, hearts to understand, but particularly, as we leave this place, that we'll go out into our homes and our relationships, our marriages and families, our neighborhoods, our communities, where we buy and get our services, and where we work and where we get our education, that you would help us by the Spirit to live out what it means to be disciples of Jesus Christ. And in his name, we ask these mercies. Amen. You may be seated. So we're talking about 10 words, which is the series on the 10 commandments. And today we're talking about the Sabbath, obviously. And there's three words that I want you to remember. Stop. No, I don't mean for you to stop. Stop. Rest. Remember. Stop, rest, remember. Did you know that God said more 
about this commandment, the fourth one, the Sabbath, than he did all the others. In fact, there are only four words that are given to warn us against committing murder or killing, and there are 102 words that remind us about the importance of remembering the Sabbath day and to keep it holy. Did you know that this commandment, the fourth commandment, and the next commandment, the fifth commandment, which is honor your father and mother, are the only two of the Ten Commandments that are actually in the positive sense, the positive voice. All the rest have, you shall not. Books on the Sabbath, on Sabbath, Sabbath keeping, are very plentiful today. Even non-Christians, even non-believers, even non-religious people are seeing the benefit of Sabbath keeping. The physical, the emotional, the mental, the relational, um, practical application of actually taking a day to stop, to rest. And, but when we look at biblical Sabbath... It means much more than just the benefits that apply to you and I as people. Now, the Sabbath originates in in connection with two events in the Old Testament. The first one is creation. And as mentioned in our text, and as is mentioned in Genesis chapter 2, verses 2 to 3... It tells us that God rested on the seventh day. Now, it does not mean that when God, after doing creation for six days, that he was tired, that he was emotionally and physically depleted, depleted, because we know that omnipotence never tires no no matter how much power is given out. The other thing that we need to keep in mind here is that the word rest is a little bit misleading and can trip us up. It really means cessation. It really means that after six days of creation, God actually stopped creating. He actually ended his work cycle. Now, the Sabbath is established by God with what we will call the Genesis rhythm. That all of creation is set in a Genesis rhythm. The week is divided into seven days. Six days we work and one day we're supposed to take as a day of stopping from work. The land, every seven years, the land was to remain undisturbed. It was not to be cultivated or planted. It was supposed to be a year of Sabbath rest. And then, of course, there are the Sabbath of Sabbaths, which is the 50th year, which is called the year of Jubilee, when everything was supposed to be reset and returned to its original owner. And so the Genesis rhythm of the cycles of seven, everything, you and I, we function in a seven-day cycle. Seven days a week, six days we work, and one day we stop. But there's also this. Notice that it is given to us as a command. It's one of the Ten Commandments. And I find this interesting. And I am somewhat amazed at the fact that there are times that we have to be protected from ourselves. 
Now, I'm going to date myself here. So, and some of you are also. How many of you can remember the time when there were no seatbelt laws? Anybody remember that? I can remember as a kid, you could stand up in the back seat, you could lay across the back window. Right? And then all of a sudden, the government decided that they were going to write into the traffic act that you could not operate a motorized vehicle without, be you, without having a seatbelt, and the people that were with you had to wear seatbelts as well. But what I found interesting and amazing is, when this law came into, um, into uh, reality, is the number of people that, were, that fought against it. And the number of people that were just simply angry because they had to wear a seatbelt. And even today we find there are a few of us that defy the law by not wearing a seatbelt. Now, if you get caught, that's going to cost you a few dollars. Now, why is that? Why is it that we have to be forced to abide by a law that's for our own benefit, for our own welfare? Now, why would we fight against that? Why would we be angry about such a law? Now, I don't have the answers to any of those questions. But here's what I do know, is that the fourth commandment is designed to protect us from ourselves. Because how many of us in this room and watching online that we would work ourselves into the ground because we love work or because we love money or we need money and everything and anything in between, if we were not forced to take a day off, some of us never would. Wendell Berry said, by knowing what to do, but also knowing what not to do, and by knowing when to stop, is the practical significance of the idea of Sabbath. And so the Genesis rhythm is about working and then stopping. So I said that there are two events that are connected to the origin of Sabbath. The first one is creation. The second one is the exodus. Now, The exodus is where the purpose for Sabbath-keeping is not stopping, but is rest. And so the context of the exodus story is the ancient Israel's journey out of Egypt and out of slavery. Now, there are two biblical records that record or give us the record of ancient Israel's Uh, release, deliverance, liberation out of Egypt and out of slavery. The book of Exodus and the book of Deuteronomy. Now the reason for Sabbath keeping in the book of Exodus is actually different than the reason that is given in the book of Deuteronomy. So I want you to follow me. In the book of Exodus, the context or the framework or the reason given to us for, cre- for uh, Sabbath-keeping is creation and actual rest. And so the Sabbath is God's gift to the people of Israel as a gift of rest. 
Now, that needs to be understood in the context of this. That the idea of a Sabbath day of rest was something that was a brand new concept for the people of Israel. Because the people of Israel, the ancient people of Israel, they had been slaves in Egypt. And they had been slaves there for more than four centuries. And they had no idea what the idea of a rest was all about. They worked 24-7, 365 continuously for more than four centuries. So this idea of God giving them a day of rest is a brand new concept. This has never happened before. There never was a law before this that said that they had to stop and they had to rest. Now, we know, of course, that God after, as we mentioned a moment ago, as God after six days of creation, that he actually observed the Sabbath, But up until our text in in Exodus chapter 20 at Mount Sinai, there is no evidence that the ancient people of Israel ever observed a Sabbath. And Exodus chapter 20 is really the first time that we come across the instruction for Sabbath keeping in the Old Testament. But there's also this. We human beings are designed with the need for restorative rest. There's an old, old saying that says, the bow that is always bent will soon cease to straight shoot. Now, it is a known fact, and it is common sense, that if a person works all week long, that toward the end of the week, his or her efficiency actually becomes diminished, and rest is needed. But it is also a proven fact that a day of rest is necessary for a nation, for a people as a whole, for their welfare, for their benefit. Did you know that during the French Revolution... France decided that they were going to get rid of anything that was religious, particularly anything that was Christian, and they eliminated Sunday as a day of rest. Matter of fact, they moved from a seven-day week to a ten-day week. But they soon discovered that they had to go back to a seven-day week with the day of rest because the nation was becoming ill and the nation was becoming, beginning to suffer and the health was starting to decrease because there was no day of rest. And the same historically is true for communist Russia. There are certain things that God has put in place without which you and I cannot function effectively. And a day of rest is one of those that we desperately need. Matter of fact, Ecclesiastes says these words, better a handful of quietness than two hands full of toil and a striving after the wind. Did you get that? I think that this text in Ecclesiastes 4-6 should be put on our bathroom mirrors. Better a handful of quietness then two hands full of toil and striving after the wind. 
And so Exodus tells us, so the creation tells us that first of all we need to stop, but Exodus tells us that we need to stop and rest. When we come to the book of Deuteronomy, the reason for Sabbath keeping changes again from stopping and resting to remembering and celebrating. Deuteronomy chapter 5 Verse 15 says, you shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt and the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. So in Deuteronomy, they were instructed to remember three things. Number one, they were to, they were to remember that they were slaves in Egypt. Number two, they were to remember how it is that God brought them out that with a strong hand and an outstretched arm. And they were also to remember to celebrate their liberation. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep a Sabbath day. And so here we have the reasons for Sabbath keeping. Stop. Rest. Remember. Remember. But there's also this. What I call the overlooked connection to the Sabbath. Now, the purpose of Sabbath keeping is not just practical. It's not just for our physical well-being, but it cannot be separated or divorced from that. And this surprisingly overlooked connection to Sabbath is none other than Jesus Christ. Jesus said this in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 5. He said, do not think that I have come to abolish the law and the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. Now we know as well that all of the law, and the law by the way is the five books of Moses, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, that's the law, the Torah, the five books of Moses, that the law and the prophets all point to and find their fulfillment in Jesus Christ. In other words, the focus of the story of the Bible is Jesus. He is the main event. So how does the Sabbath connect to Jesus? Well, I'm glad you asked. Sabbath keeping is more than a command of something that we do. Sabbath and Sabbath keeping is a sign, it's a picture, it is a preview. If you will, it is a trailer of what God would do and God did do in, through, and as Jesus Christ. That ultimately, the Sabbath points to Jesus Christ. The Bible says that Jesus is our Sabbath rest. It says that he is our eternal rest. That Jesus makes possible our eternal rest in the presence of God. You got that so far? Now don't just leave it there. But let me explain it this way. Ever since 
Adam and Eve, there has been a longing, a desire for rest within humanity and within us as human beings. That every person, and matter of fact, even creation, Roman tells us in Romans chapter 8, that even creation, there is a desire to find rest, to return to our rest. In other words, there is a spiritual longing, a hunger to return to our source. And our source, of course, is God. We came from God, and therefore we are longing to return to God. Now, the person who caught this the best and put it in the best sentence is St. Augustine. And he said this, and you've heard this, read this probably many times. You have made us for yourself, O Lord, and our heart is restless until it rests in you. Eternity is in our hearts. Ecclesiastes 3.17, or 3.11 tells us. Only in God, through Jesus Christ, is that hunger and that desire and that longing for rest satisfied. It begins by saying yes to God's offer of love and forgiveness and grace in Jesus. Now, we have other terms for this saying yes to God's offer of love and forgiveness in Jesus Christ. We call it being born again. We call it conversion. We call it being saved. We call it coming to faith in Christ. We call it giving our hearts and our lives to Jesus. But this is only the beginning of the full and complete rest that God has promised to us. There still remains in all of us, even those of us, particularly those of us who have said yes to God's offer of love and forgiveness, and we are the children of God, we are the sons and daughters of God, we are Christians, Christ followers. But even as Christ followers, and even as people who have been born again, there is a low-grade restlessness inside all of us. A friend of mine calls it a low-grade homesickness. We await our eternal rest, and our eternal rest awaits us. Now, Hebrews chapter 4, verses 1 to 11 gives us the most definitive answer regarding the ultimate and primary purpose of Sabbath, and that is Jesus Christ. But I must confess to you that if you read Hebrews chapter 4, verses 1 to 11, I don't know about you, but I find it a little bit confusing. But Jesus brings us into rest in God and with God. Just a short phrase from Hebrews chapter 4, verses 9 and 10 and 11. So then, there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God, the writer says. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. Let, let us therefore strive to enter that rest. 
Now, I don't know about you, but to me, that is about as clear as mud. But there's also this. Sabbath keeping. The Sabbath day is about the promise of rest. Relief, even from this low-grade restlessness, this low-grade homesickness. But it is something more than just futuristic or eternal. Jesus Christ is our Sabbath rest now. In this life, it is not some pie in the sky and the sweet by and by. Jesus Christ is our physical, spiritual, and eternal rest now. And by physical, I mean physiologically, I mean bodily, I mean mentally, I mean emotionally. Jesus promised rest in this life. In Matthew chapter 11, he says, come to me, and we know these words, we have seen them on so many plaques and so many wall hangings and whatever else, and coffee mugs, come unto me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest, take my yoke upon you, and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly and hard, and you will find rest for your souls." So when I say that Jesus Christ is our physical rest, I mean now, I mean bodily, I mean physiologically, I mean mentally, I mean emotionally. And when we talk about spiritual, we're talking about what it has to do with our souls. We are living beings. We are living souls. It's about rest and the peace of Christ now, today, in this life. That God's provision in Jesus Christ, by Jesus Christ, is our rest for today, now. And if it isn't, then it's not going to be much use in the future. Now, I want you to listen to the next line. You and I, us, by our union with Jesus as his followers. We are already living in the Sabbath day of God's eternal rest, but not fully. Did you get that? You and I, by our union in Jesus as being his followers, we are already living in the seventh day or the eternal day of God's Rest, but not fully. Not fully until we see him face to face. But I don't want anybody leaving here or anybody turning off their computer today and walking away saying, well, you know, God's rest is about the future. No, God's rest is about now. It's about today. It's for you and it's for me physically, emotionally, spiritually, and relationally for now in the present. Don't leave without that reality. But there's also a rest that's coming that will be complete and full when we see him face to face. But Sabbath-keeping is also about completion. 
It tells us that God had rested on the seventh day and because he had finished his work. And by resting, by stopping, by cessation, God took pleasure in what he had made. And Genesis tells us in Genesis chapter 1, verse 4, 10, 12, 18, 21, 25, and 31, that when God saw everything that he had made, he stepped back and he looked at it and he said, wow, this is very good. Now tell me, church, tell me that you haven't made something, built something, finished something, fixed something, And then when it was finished, you stepped back and you went and admired your work and said, wow, that's pretty good. Huh? That's what God thought, said, and did after the sixth day of creation. Matter of fact, we have these words coming out of the mouth of Jesus at the end of redemption. When redemption is finalized, Jesus said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and he gave up his spirit. Now, that brings us to this. Following the death and resurrection of Jesus, the command to keep the Sabbath is nowhere to be found. I knew it would make you look up. Following the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, the command to keep the Sabbath is nowhere to be found. Every one of the other nine commandments are reiterated and repeated and stated over and over in the New Testament, except for the fourth command. So why is this? Because it is finished in Jesus Christ. It is complete. And that brings us to what I would call some overlapping issues. Now some of the questions that I often get asked or sometimes get asked about the Sabbath is this. Are we supposed to keep the Old Testament Sabbath today? And... Is Sabbath Saturday or is it Sunday? And what's the difference? Well, ancient Israel actually celebrated the Sabbath when the sun went down on Friday night and and until Sunday night, or Saturday night rather, when they saw they could see three stars in the sky, that was the end of the Sabbath. Today, generally, In Israel, in Jews around the world, they celebrate Sabbath from 6 p.m. on Friday night to 6 p.m. on Saturday night. Now, put your seatbelt on. The Sabbath has never been and never will be Sunday. And Sunday will never be the Jewish Sabbath. And the primary reason for that is because Jesus changes everything like he normally does, which brings us then to the Lord's Day, the first day of the week, Sunday. 
Now, all of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, all tell us that Jesus rose from the dead on the first day of the week. And if you're unclear about what is meant by the first day of the week, Matthew tells us very clearly. He says, now after the Sabbath, which we know is Saturday, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, which is Sunday, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And so the first day of the week, Sunday, became for the first Christians the focal point of when they would meet together as the body of Christ. Hence, it is called the Lord's Day. And we know, of course, from the first Christians in Acts chapter 20, verse 7, that they met on the first day of the week. And we also know in Revelation chapter 1, verse 10, that the Bible says that John was in the Spirit on the Lord's Day. Matter of fact... It wasn't until the Emperor Augustine, sorry, the Emperor Constantine, not Augustine, the Emperor, Roman Emperor Constantine in 321, that Sunday was established as an official day of rest. But here's the point. The point is that Sunday is not the Old Testament Jewish Sabbath or a substitution for it. John Calvin said this, The Christian Sunday is not a simple continuation of the Jewish Sabbath changed into the first day of the week, but a distinctively Christian institution adopted on the abrogation of the former one as a means of church order and spiritual health. Christianity's Lord's Day and the Old Testament Jewish Sabbath are not the same thing. Matter of fact, the New Testament does not pigeonhole believers into stopping and resting and remembering on any certain day of the week, whether it's Saturday or Sunday. Paul said these words. One person esteems one day as better than the other, while another esteems all days alike. Each should be fully convinced in his own mind. And then he says in Colossians, he says, Therefore, let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food and drink or with regard to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath. And the New Testament makes the point that there is one day, that there is not one day, or there isn't any day that is set aside to stop, rest, and remember. But knowing the way people are, And knowing the way I am, and knowing the way that you are, most of us would never choose another day to stop and rest and remember. Because we're lunatics. When it comes to work, and when it comes to activity. I'm reminded of the the backpacking crew that went to Africa and they hired some local uh, men to be uh, guides and uh, they were trekking all over wherever it is they were and they were going crazy the first day and the second day and the third day and on the fourth day, which was Sunday, they all got up to get going and they said to the guides who were sitting around under a tree, come on, let's go. And the guy says, no, 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 no. This is Sunday, we don't go today. And the trekker said, well, why not? And they said, because this is the day we allow our souls to catch up to our bodies. 
Now, some of us, some Christians, have to work on Sundays. I'm one of them. But many of us have to work on Sunday. There's nothing wrong with working on Sunday. But, for the most part, Christianity as always, and primarily designated the Lord's Day, Sunday, as our day apart. Now, here's something that we have to keep in mind. We have to keep in mind that the doctrines and the practices taught in the Old New Testament originated in the Old Testament. For example, such things as salvation, sanctification, resurrection, and tithing all began in the Old Testament. And the same is true with the Lord's Day. The practice and the practices of keeping the Lord's Day finds their root in the Old Testament Jewish Sabbath keeping. So Christianity's Lord's Day and the Old Testament Jewish Sabbath are not the same, but there are some similarities. The most obvious is that it is weekly. It is regular. We do this by recognizing the Genesis rhythm, 1 and 7. And so the Lord's Day is the day that we as Christians primarily, and for the most part, historically, for the last 2,000 years, have set aside when we stop, when we rest, and remember the goodness of God in our lives, past, present, and future, and we reflect and we celebrate that. So on the Lord's Day, we stop. And it doesn't have to be the Lord's Day. It can be any day. It just needs to be a regular day, and it needs to be in the cycle. On the Lord's Day, we stop. I like what Wendell Berry said. Wendell Berry said, by working, by not working, the Israelites were meant to see the limited um, efficacy of their work and thus understood their true dependence. In other words, what that means is this. When we stop working, when we say that's enough, when we stop working, we realize that the provision for our lives does not come only by our own hands. It comes by God's provision as God's gift. For example, Valet, Health Sciences North, the governments of Ontario and Canada, the Rainbow District School Board, even Glad Tidings Church does not, is not our source. All of those organizations and companies are only conduits that God uses to provide for our needs, but behind it all is the fact that God is our ultimate source. Because I think we know that mining companies and governments can go out of business. We don't have to live in the world very long to, to realize that. But it tells us by stopping 
that we are saying that we understand that we do not have just by the works of our hands, but because God has, is our provision, that God is our provider. And then rest. Jesus said the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. And somebody else wrote, the command to rest is not a rule that restricts, it is a rule that liberates. And then finally, we are to remember. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. And what's interesting here, it says remember. In other words, do not forget. Why? Because it is so easy to forget. And both the Lord's day and Sabbath have an emphasis on redemption. Both are linked by their provision for salvation. We remember that we were slaves in sin, that we were slaves to sin. We remember, we recall, we reflect how God set us free and that he did set us free. And then we celebrate the fact that he did it. But there's also this. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. It is a holy day, not our holiday. You okay? Both the Lord's Day and the Sabbath emphasize God's Lordship. Sunday worship separates Christianity from all other religious faiths in the world. And traditionally for us, Sunday, the Lord's Day, has been dedicated and designated as the day when we stop, we rest, and we remember. And now, I'm going to stop. And you're going to stand with me, and we're going to pray together, and we're going to end our service, and we've got a bunch of stuff going on. Uh, if you are a, a young, um, uh, have a young family, young parents, whatever, I don't even know what young means anymore, um, then we have uh, Pastor uh, Sherry has uh, got a, um, a parent connection in the gymnasium, and it's sort of a potluck. Sometimes it's called tough luck, um, but whether it's tough or not depends on us, I guess, what we bring. And also, uh, Dr. Carlson, Ryan Carlson, is going to be in the upper chapel, and uh, he's doing a series starting today, and you've already mentioned this on grief, so you'll want to uh, be a part of that. I think it's going to be a pretty good class. I already saw the notes, to be honest with you, so it's going to be pretty good. Let's pray. Father, we love you, we thank you, and praise you that you have called us and you have established in your own example that we need to stop. We need to stop, and by stopping, we realize that the people, the, the organization or the company that we work for is not our source. They're just the conduit that you use to provide for us. And you teach us out of the Exodus that we need to be a people who rest because we are not invincible. We are human. And you have called us to remember.
But like Israel, who were slaves in Egypt, we were slaves in sin. And we are to recall, we are to remember, we are to reflect that not only did you liberate us, but how you did it through Jesus Christ. And by doing so, we worship and exalt and praise your name. Father, I ask that as we leave this place today, that for some of us who are hardcore and can't seem to take our teeth out of it and can't seem to let go and unclench our fists, help us. Help us to stop, to say no, that's enough. Help us to rest, to be rejuvenated. And help us to remember, great is thy faithfulness to me, to us. In Christ's name, amen. God bless your church.